And the psalmist um, begins with this vision of lifting eyes up to the mountains. Now, I've read a few different commentaries on this, and some people say that to lift your eyes up to the mountains is to lift your eyes up to one of the mountains where uh, Israel had met with God, Mount Sinai, for example, to look into the distance and see the mountains surrounding Sinai, and to imagine and remember uh, the place where you met with God. In other words, it's, uh, it's remembering what God had done in a certain place um, and, and being encouraged by that to move forward. Other people say that actually the mountains, um, the mountains are the mountains where uh, other gods were being worshipped, the high places, as it says in the Old Testament. And so to lift one's eyes up to the mountains would be to, to offer worship to other gods. And the Psalms are saying, no, I'm not going to lift my eyes up to the mountains where other gods are worshipped, my help, rather than coming from those places, comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The reason we read that psalm this morning as we continue our vision series is because I think it says everything about what we want to be as a church. We want to be a church that is utterly dependent on the activity and the movement of God in and amongst us. And that's actually been the story so far. And there have been many moments in the last year, in fact, year and a half since, um, as, I was, uh, remi- as Bishop Paul reminded me yesterday, we began the conversation about coming here and uh, starting this church. There have been many moments in the last year and a half where I've had the occasion to say, where is my help coming from? <laughs> Lord, how is this going to happen? What, how are you going to do this? Uh, there's been many moments Amy and I have prayed just on our knees and cried out, God, you've got to do something. The story of Trinity, Trinity Church Nottingham so far, though, has been the story of lifting our eyes up to God and seeing him come through. And it's amazing as we look back on this last year and as we look ahead to what's to come, how faithful God has been. And what, what I want to do this morning in the time that we have, uh, I have just sharing with you is to continue from what we said last week and to look ahead to what's to come. And what we said last week, uh, what we did rather, was to rehearse and remind ourselves of the journey so far. And really, last week we were focusing on the first element of our vision. And our vision, uh, we often say it, or we say it pretty much every week, our vision, our hope, our dream for this future reality is that we would be uh, in this city, we would see the church on fire and the city alive. And the church on fire doesn't just mean Trinity Church on fire. It means the whole church, uh, Anglican churches, but also non-Anglican churches, non-denom- every kind of denomination, every Christian on fire in the city for God, receiving a new vision of Jesus, a greater passion for his name and for his glory, for his, uh, a desire that his, his name and his renown would be known in this city. We, we want to see his name gossiped in the streets of Nottingham. That's our hope. That's what it means to see the church on fire. But not just the church on fire. We don't just want to create holy clubs for for churchy people to come and hang out and hide away from the world. No, we want to be in the midst of the world, bringing life to the world by the power and by the Spirit of God. That's our vision. And we said that that happens, firstly, by a people making it their aim to pursue an encounter with the presence of God. In other words, it's as we meet with God, we become like him, we become the people on fire. So his presence is key for us. And actually two weeks ago, and you should listen uh, to this on, on, the, on the website or on our podcast, Bishop Paul talked about what it means to be a people pursuing and prioritizing the presence of God. So presence for us, encountering God's presence is part of what it means to be a church on fire. 
And as we encounter his presence, we become more like him. You see, you can't spend time with somebody and not be influenced by them. And that's true for the, for the worst people, isn't it? Those people who your parents said in school, I just wish you wouldn't spend so much time with whoever. You know, because people, friend, people who we spend time with rub off on us. But it's also true in a positive sense too. When we spend time in the presence of God, we can't help but become more like Jesus. And that's our aim. It's not, incident, it's not sort of accidental. It's, it's our intent. It's our mission. It's our desire. It's our dream that each of us would become more like Jesus. That doesn't mean that we'll all look the same. But we will each resemble in our own unique and precious way more of Jesus and we'll become the people he imagined us to be. That doesn't mean we become more spiritual in that sense, although it does. It means we become more human, more alive, more more joyful. It means there'll be more laughter here, more humor. It means there'll be more tears. It means there'll be more life. And I want to be alive. I want to see churches alive. Too many churches are stale. The Spirit of God is moving in a place the last thing we should be is stale. And finally, as we become more like him, we can't help but do the stuff he did. And what did he do? Healed the sick. He comforted the broken. He extended hospitality to people. He, he was kind. He was gracious. He was merciful. He gathered people around him. He taught people. He loved people. Ultimately, he saved, he offered salvation to people. We want to be about the stuff that Jesus did. That's our vision. And when I look back at the last year, when we look back as a community, and some of you have been part of all of that journey, and many of you, this is your first week. But when I look back, and Amy, uh, Amy and I look back at this last year, what we see is that this last year has been, a lot, a lot of this last year has about, been about laying foundations. I remember, I think it was January the 15th, uh, and we'd given ourselves Christmas off, basically, because you know, we didn't have to do anything over Christmas. We thought, maybe, this is maybe the last time we ever get Christmas off. Let's have Christmas off. And then we said, well, you know, let's also have a week or two after that off as well. Brilliant. It's the kind of things you do when you're starting a church. I don't know if the bishop knew that, but you do now, Bishop Paul. <clears throat> That's what we were doing in early January. And January 15th, we gathered together for the first time in, in 2017 and we were at St. Barnabas and we, it was the first time we decided to meet on a Sunday night. We said, we're going to meet weekly now. And we came back with a New Year's resolution. Our resolution was, we're going to do the same thing, but more. And that, that was that we want to go deeper in prayer. We said, we want to go deeper in prayer. We've got three priorities. We want to go deeper in prayer. We want to go deeper in our relationships. And we want to go deeper in obedience, deeper in prayer. We want to, we want to and we developed at that point, three practices of prayer that we've been following ever since. We want to go deeper in prayer. We've been praying before. We want to do more. We want to go deeper in relationships. So we encouraged every one of you to start eating with each other. Basically, the whole part of that, that whole vision was all around food. So we've just eaten a lot together. And then finally, we said we want to go deeper in obedience. And we told stories, and we still do this. We told stories of, of, of people taking risks, people stepping out in obedience, hearing the word of God and obeying it. We've been laying foundations this last year. That foundation has been about worship and prayer. There's never going to be a moment, I pray there's never going to be a moment where we lose that, where we forget about that. 
we forget about the urgent priority of, of the presence of God. You know, if we don't have the presence of God here, we have nothing to offer anyone. If God is not with us, we have failed. <clears throat> read yesterday an article by Dallas Willard. He said this, nothing fails like success. So often you see movements and organizations in the midst of success going away, losing the heart of their mission. It would be a travesty. It would be a complete failure if we lost the ultimate priority of being with God. You know, the whole purpose of, the, of creation is that God wanted to be with us. He didn't have to create. He didn't create out of some boredom. You know, he hadn't run out of Twitter feed to look at or Facebook posts to consider. Uh, in that moment, he could have considered all of the Facebook posts in all time, front, you know, forward and backwards. It wasn't boredom. It was the desire to share life with us to be united with us. We've been building foundations, foundations hopefully that will set us uh, up well for the future, foundations into God. And our hope going forward is that we're gonna see more and more of that. But we do sense we're at a point of transition as a church. This is a moment of stepping forward and stepping out into the next thing. We don't want to get away from anything that God has done thus far. It's more of the same when it comes to all of those things. And yet, we sense that the time is coming to begin building on those foundations. The strength of a building is only ever in proportion to the strength and the depth of the foundations. But it is time for us to begin to lay some stones. And we want to lay those stones upwards to God. We want to lay further stones and structures that will enable and facilitate, let me just see if I can get that word, facilitate. I've been worshipping since silly o'clock with the BBC, sorry folks. That will enable our worship. We want to go, we want to build structures and systems that will enable us to worship Him. Prayer meetings and worship meetings, we want to do more and more of that stuff with it's essential to who we are. We want to go up into God, vertical, worship to him, if you like. We want to go in as well. We, we know that the time has come for groups. Many of you have been badgering us for many months now. We know that it's time that we organise uh, the congregation so that you guys can experience the, the life and grace that comes in relationship with one another. How do we meet with Jesus today? You know, primarily it's going to be through our relationships to one another. It's going to be through uh, the kindness of our friends here. It's going to be through encouraging one another. It's going to be through sharing the scripture together. It's going to be through prayer together. We're going to go deeper into that. We're going to build in that way. We're also going to build outward. If we got to a point uh, in the future where we made no measurable difference to the city of Nottingham, it would have been a catastrophic failure. Yeah, it'd be wonderful in, in the future if people said of our church, you know, we, the, the taxes in Nottingham were lowered because of the stuff that that church did. That'd be wonderful. You know, our vision is to see a worshipping community made of every single person every single kind of person in this city. We want to see the rich diversity of Nottingham displayed in this room, socially, racially, in every single way. 
That's only going to happen if we, if we engage with our city and with our community. We're excited to see that. But alongside all of that stuff, which is yet to come, it is time to, to talk and dream about what this space can be. What this incredible building that we've been given as a gift can be and can do for the life of this city and for the life of our church. Look at this place. It is incredible. Some of you are going to have never been upstairs. You've never seen anything but actually after the service, you're going to have chances to wander around the building and uh, we'll sign a liability as you go up. Don't worry, it's fine. Cut that bit out of the recording. <laughs> I'm going to see the space. There is incredible opportunity here. Not just for us as a church, but for this city, for what God could do through this space. And we want to just look at that for a second. We've had an incredible journey to get to this space. We've been in a number of different spaces. It began in our front room. We then moved uh, upstairs every other week in the freezing cold. Five pairs of socks, three jumpers, a coat, a gilet, everything you could imagine. It was freezing, two hats, it was so cold. And then we moved to St. Barnabas and it was slightly warmer, only slightly. Um, and we were there for a while and they extended great hospitality to us. And then uh, we, we started meeting here April the 13th, Easter. We gathered here our first Sunday. We've been meeting here ever since and it is again slightly warmer. Every single stage God has taught us something new. Every single stage has been an essential part of our development as a church, as a community, as a people. We've learned something. It's like Churchill said, right? We shape our buildings and thereafter they shape us. Every place we've been has shaped us. And it's not just that we have a dream for this building. In fact, what we found is that this building wasn't our idea at all. It was that God had the idea of us having this building. And I just want us to share a story. I'm going to briefly introduce you. We're going to hear from Don in just a second. This is a story which just gives context to what God has in mind and had in mind for this city. And I remember I met Don uh, as he walked down the stairs on our first Sunday, uh, Sunday gathering. It was the Easter Sunday. He walked down the stairs and I, I made a beeline for him because you know, some of you are maybe in future will plant a church. You know that when you see anybody new, you're just like, must go and speak to them. Must make sure they stay, essentially. I went to speak to Don. It's, Totally based on ego. I mean, let's be, let's be honest. So I went and chatted with Don and uh, he encouraged me incredibly in that moment. And I won't tell you exactly what Don said because he's going to come and share it himself. But um, Don, why don't you come up? Why don't you come forward? Let's give him a round of applause as a welcome. Don't come stand here. So when you arrived on Easter Sunday, um, was that the first time you'd been in the building? Um, second time. Second time. Second time. First time was a few years before, or? Um, 2012. Yeah. So tell, the first tell. Time. But it's not the first time you'd seen the building either, was it? Oh no, it was an auction house. So yeah, I'd been in the building when it was an auction house. Yeah. So. Um, tell us about you. You had a dream about this building a few years ago. Yes, um, 2000. Now, I, 2000. <laughs> now I've heard Don. I've heard Don tell this story before, um, 
I've heard it told in about an hour and a half and been on the edge of my seat every single minute. Unfortunately, we can't do justice to the fullness of the story now. But tell us, tell us about that dream. Um, 2011, December 2011, um, one morning um, I had this dream. Um, driving down from the traffic lights into town and um, I feel nervous. I don't know why I feel nervous. You know, I'm not a nervous person. Uh, <laughs> I'm not special on Wednesday morning. Anyway, I was driving down um, Mansfield Road, and suddenly it was it was night time. Uh, me and my wife was in a car, and suddenly I saw people um, coming out of a building. They were kind of dressed in a cream or white gown sort of thing, and they just fell on the ground fell into the road actually, on the pavement, walked out and just fell on, the, fell on the road in front of the car. So I braked the car, jumped out the car and people just kept coming and falling on the ground. So I knelt down, went over to them, knelt down trying to find out what was the problem, what was wrong. And it was just about where the doors are. So um, my wife came over and she says, what's happening? I says, I don't know, they don't, they're, nobody's responding. They were just sort of in a trance, as it were. Um, and then a voice said to me, as I began to say, you know, what is the problem? A voice said, um, there is nothing wrong with them. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. They are slain. I don't know if you've used to that term, slain in the spirit, but they were slain in the spirit. And now I'm kneeling down and this voice, this man's voice spoke. And as he spoke, I turned to my left and I looked through the doors of this building. And inside was, it's so overwhelming, worship like I've never seen before. Now I've been in churches where there are 50,000 people worshiping God and the roof is bouncing and the shaking. I've experienced that. But this worship was absolutely a different type of sound of singing and worship and praising God like I've never. And I was on my knees just looking into the building. And there was a man baptizing, uh, dressed in a gown or a minister of some kind, baptizing people, walking out of the walking out of the pool, I imagine, and walking out of those doors, which I didn't know it was those doors out into the street and he was baptizing and they were coming out and the worship was going and the singing was and it was just so overwhelming anyway I woke up in the morning and um, I started I keep a diary a journal so I wrote it all down told my wife I've had this amazing dream um, and then began to share that dream with my pastor and um, a few other people um, I was so excited. I, my sister is part of the journey. In 2012, I bought my sister, um, and we stood in the car park, and we walked around, and I went through the dream stage by stage, um, where the people were, where the car was, um, where the doors were, how the doors were open. I explained everything, and this was 2012. And... <clears throat> Last year, so, or this year rather, at Easter, one of the things you said to me was, and I was, I was pretty nervous, this is our first service, and I, you, I don't know if you picked that up or not, but you said, God's going to do incredible things in this place. And I just, I just said, uh, I don't know what I said. And then you said, I said, how do you know? That's what I said. And you said, no, trust me, God's going to do incredible things in this place. But before that, you said, I just come, you said, I've come to see what you've done with it. 
That's correct. And you, and you talked about the, the space and, and how it lined up with what was in the dream. Yeah, um, obviously, um, five years had passed. Um, we heard about the church. Um, well, I heard, saw a sign on the... Well, it, it's a long story. It's a very, there's so much to the story. Um, but anyway, when I came on that day, I was at home painting the kitchen, just fitted a new kitchen, and I was painting, and a voice said to me, you need to go this morning. Just go and have a look to see what was happening. So I had paint all over my hands. I, I remember seeing Trainers that. on, and, you know, we, but we're Pentecostals. We, we're not allowed to wear trainers to church and, and things like that. So, um, and I even had jeans on, so that means my mother, my mother would have cried her eyes out if she'd have seen me you know, with jeans on. Coming There's a lot of Pentecostals church. laughing so, in there. <laughs> Kirsty, I think it was Kirsty, grabbed me at the door and says, come on in. I says, I'm not staying. I've just come to have a look. And before I knew it, she dragged me to this two doors and then Johnny took over and made tea. I says, I don't, I'm not staying. Um, and it was kind of strange because I sat over there in the corner. I said, I'm going to stay for five minutes. I'm not dressed. I've got paint on my hands and then I'm going. Um, but when I sat down, the presence of God was such that I was compelled to just sit and just be obedient to God. And what really captured me was the fact that when I looked through those doors which were open, the front doors were also open. And my eyes just filled with tears because I saw myself outside of the building, kneeling down, looking in. And I could see myself inside now. This is five years later. The altar is exactly as in the dream. Your vision is exactly as the dream. So it was quite um, overwhelming. It's quite overwhelming. Now, that in itself is just extraordinary. And I remember when you told me that in Five Guys in Market Square the next week. <laughs> burger. Is it a burger, burger. burger place? Suffice it to say, I was encouraged. However, there's more. Yes. What did you do with that? Well, at first, I didn't do anything. I wrote it down. I bought my sister. We went through the dream. I bought my pastor, Bishop Sterling, went through the dream with different people. Um, about three months later, um, someone rang me from a church that um, they're going to acquire the building. So for me, wonderful. This must be God. Anyway, it didn't work out. They didn't acquire the building. Three months after that, in June... Um, 2012, somebody else rang me again to say they would like me to come and take a look at the building. Can we do, some, can we do a survey to find out how much it would cost um, to refurbish the building? So I thought, wow, I'm really involved now. So I came along on the Friday, we looked at the building and we left. I don't think that church particularly had the finance to buy the building, but the fact that they were interested um, in the building um, made me, you know, really sort of excited. Anyway, that Friday, um, um, I think that was the 15th, on the 17th, um, Sunday night, or Saturday night, um, the Lord gave me another dream. And he gave me um, a scripture from Isaiah 55, we won't go through it, um, it talks about a lot of things about I shall call a nation to you that you do not know and the people shall run to you and all sorts of things like that. My ways are not like your ways. My thoughts are not like your thoughts. If you read, it's quite deep. Um, so I began to read it in the morning. And then he says to me in the dream, he says, I want you to come to the building and dedicate the building to me. 
And I thought, wow, I've never dedicated a building to... <laughs> I don't know what that means exactly. Um, he, he said, sanctify the building, consecrate the building. I want you to bring olive oil or oil, and I want you to um, dedicate this building to my glory, for I'm about to use this place to glorify myself, which was quite a lot. So anyway, I was obedient, unusually, and... Um, <laughs> I came, I, I pulled up, I think I came in my van actually, I pulled up outside, I had oil, I read the scripture, because that was the basis of the dream, I read the scripture, played a song, I think I was there for about one and a half hours, and um, I poured oil all over my hands, saturated my hands with oil, and I walked every edge of the building from the forest corner all the way around, I anointed every door, every brick, the windows, everything, the shutters down the side, the cobble roads, everything. And then came back to the door and prayed a prayer about this building shall be the house of the Lord. And um, what happened next was, the next week he woke me up again. And he says, I want you to go again. But it was effortless. This time it wasn't uh, a struggle or anything. And um, I would come, read the same scripture, anoint my hands with oil, and I would do the same procedure over and over again. The only problem was this took two years to do. So for two years I, I came, summer, autumn, winter, spring, summer, autumn, winter, spring, over and over again, every Sunday, for an hour and a half, an hour. Um, if I missed a Sunday, I would do a weekday. Um, but it wasn't difficult. You know, this wasn't um, something that I did in my own strength. He gave me scriptures like, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. So every so often you give me a scripture to reassure me that what you're doing is correct. Because, you know, if you tell anybody that you was doing this, they would think that you <laughs> were... Um, my wife didn't know anything about... Uh, she's sure she would think I'm having an affair or something, you know. But, um, anyway, I managed to do it, um, and it was absolutely amazing journey. I'm a big black guy and I find myself crying my eyes out at the door and things like that. Tears just kept coming week after week after week. It was just absolutely overwhelming. But there was a sense that God, the dream was so real that um, it just kept pushing me and pushing me and pushing me. And after about two years, towards the end of the two years, it started to fade away. There wasn't this, he didn't wake me up anymore. He wasn't um, but I continue to pray for the other three years over the building. Um, I pass this building every day, two, three times a day. And I would lift my hands and I would say, God, this place, this place shall be your house. And men shall come and worship you in this place. So that is... Um, So, there is so much more other little, well, there's lots of things. There's a series of things. Um, one of the most amazing, well, not the most amazing, this bit I think is important for me to share it. Um, I contract to a 
millionaire gentleman, worked with him for many years. We've become friends, actually. And he decided to buy Tolerton Hall. I don't know if you've ever heard of Tolerton Hall. It's a big stately home. He said, Don, I'm thinking about buying it, but I want you to come and have a look because I don't want it to be a money pit. Um, and it's going to cost me millions and millions and millions forever. So come and have a look with me and just um, tell me what you think. So I went over to the place. We met the agent and there was a gentleman called Giles. Giles. And um, when Giles met me, put his hand down like this. Good to me. He, was, he didn't even want to touch me sort of thing. Um, and along with some of the people. So we went into the building and they began to speak about occupying the space and things like this. Well, Giles didn't want to speak to me. Um, he kept looking at the client. And, but the client always looked at me. What do you think, Don? And when he realized that he wouldn't answer any questions, everything came back to me. Then Giles became my best friend. He's, well, you know, um, so me and Giles ended up in the cellar. It's 62 rooms in the building. So we ended up in the cellar. And Giles, we, we took, there's a church attached to, um, to the hall. There's a church attached to it. So I says, does the church, is that going to be a part of the purchase? So he said, no. So we got on to talking about church. I've worked in churches. I've done a lot of work for churches. And he says, well, we've just bought a church um, for the Church of England. So I says, okay. He says, in town. I says, well, there's no buildings in town, really. That He says, yeah, they've got a great vision about bringing young people into the, um, into the city and get people involved with church. So I says, where is the building? And then he says, the auction house. And I just froze because it made me, this is five years later, that God even was able to confirm that he was involved in this thing by taking me to a place completely unrelated. And the man that negotiated the deal for the Church of England was the same man that I'm standing with in a cellar negotiating for a different building. And he he actually answered the question for me personally. God sent a messenger to say, yes, I have purchased this building that you have prayed for. I was just absolutely overwhelmed, absolutely overwhelmed. What do you think God is saying to us? I want to speak in, brief. in, I want to speak in tongues. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I've been warning, I've been telling Johnny for a long time that I, it's not going to be long. I can't contain myself. <laughs> we cannot continue to sit in the presence of God. I did tell you that two weeks ago, that I can't continue to sit in the presence of God and not express the joy. For me, you know, seeing all you guys and young people, Bo, what you're about to start, something incredible is happening. I'm not saying it's about to happen. It's already started. For me, I've got a list of all the things that God has showed me. And when I see young people, that's one of the lists. When I see older people, that is part of the list. This man, he came and I says to him that God is going to do this thing with or with the first, second conversation we had on the phone. He says, I want to meet up with you. And I was very direct. I says, this thing is a very serious thing. And he's going to do it with or without you. And it applies to all of us. God will do what God is going to do with or without us. 
What I would say to you is this, that God is only looking for a vessel that he can use. That's all. He's looking for a channel, a conduit, as it were. And, you know, if, he, if, he, if we will allow him, just, if you will allow yourself just to be used of God, whatever that capacity may be, wherever, whether it be children's church or whatever part you may take part, whether it be leadership or uh, usher, if you just allow God to just flow through you, that's what he wants to do. He's going to pour out his spirit, but he will not, you can't do it if you resist him. You've got to allow him to just flow. And the spirit of God is going to flow in such a way no man will be able to control it. No man will be able to contain it. And it will flow straight out into the city. It's going to take place. I'm not saying this will be the only place, but something is going to take place that is going to blow your mind. The level of worship is going to be beyond our Anglican or your Anglican. Hey, you know. You just identified as an Anglican. No, there, there is a lady over there in the, in the glasses over there and I love watching her worship but she does it silently but she dances and she sings and she, you know I believe that the worship is going to be and God is going to be glorified God is going to glorify himself in this place and he will do it through all those that are willing if we are willing we're going to see something wonderful young men are going to dream dreams old men are going to young men are going to old men are going to dream dreams young men are going to see visions and God is going to use you in a way that you have never you cannot imagine may the Lord bless you may the Lord keep you